Hi everyone, I'm Maggie Bright from Murphy Research and I am thrilled to be joined by two of the smartest people I know, Sarah Marion and Chuck Murphy, and we are going to chat about the economy. Full disclosure, we are not economists. We know very little about this topic, um, but what we're really going to talk about is the impact the current economy and particularly inflation uh, could be having on consumer spending. And that particularly, we're going to narrow it down even more in terms of consumer spending related to fitness and nutrition. Um, as you know, we run a syndicated tracker called State of Our Health that tracks consumer behaviors across fitness, nutrition, mindfulness, all sorts of great areas. Um, been running it since 2018. We've talked to tens of thousands of people at this point. Um, and Sarah Marion runs all of that. I think she probably dreams about these statistics and stats and figures in her sleep at night, probably during her daytime too. Sarah wrote this great uh, newsletter about how inflation is um, potentially impacting nutrition and fitness spending. And as of Q2 2022, we had not seen any impact. Uh, so we wanted to revisit, um, take a look at what's going on in Q3. These numbers are, um, we just closed field on Q3. So um, Sarah is going to give us the first view of, uh, of the data. Um, and so Sarah, what, what are you using as sort of indicators coming out of State of Our Health and what's happened between Q2 and Q3? Well, so we uh, measure, uh, we have a couple of ways that we use to look at consumer sentiment, and it is focused on health. But um, so we measure general population attitudes and barriers to fitness, including money and price. Uh, we have a lot of questions where we ask about spending um, in both fitness and food. And so particularly in food, questions around how important is organic, what percentage of the groceries you purchase are organic, that kind of thing are, is a... Um, a good bellwether in terms of how people are pitched, people are feeling in the pocketbook. Uh, and back when I wrote that newsletter, we really had not, inflation had been in the news, it had been headlines for quite a while, but we hadn't seen it affecting our data yet. Um, and in fact, I will tell you that we really still haven't. Um, money as a barrier is holding pretty steady uh, at around, you know, 16, 17%. And it's been there for a long time. The, it has risen a little bit since kind of mid-pandemic when um, money was much less of a barrier. People were getting government stimulus. They weren't going out and going out to dinner or traveling, but uh, only by a couple of percentage points. And so in the newsletter, I had a couple of um, uh, kind of theories around why that is. I think part of it is that... Uh, Health is important. It became more important during the pandemic. People are willing to spend on wellness uh, in a way that uh, maybe is even more so than they used to be than pre-pandemic. Um, and in a lot of ways, people position, I hear in interviews, people position their wellness spending, they're spending on good food, they're spending on fitness as healthcare spending, um, which puts it in a different category than we sometimes think of it. Uh, so it makes it more necessary, uh, an expense that you can't really get around, and they'll make uh, adjustments in other areas of their budget to be able to still do what they want to do and buy the food that they want to buy to maintain that their picture of how they need to eat and live to be a healthy person. If you look at Q2 GDP data, which is a phrase I thought I would never say, um, they're actually spending on healthcare and, and basically public you know, private services is up. 
in Q2 um, compared to the previous quarter, which is kind of a bad quarter. So I don't know. <laughs> it's all relative, I guess. But like, I, I agree with you. I think that people have reframed health um, in light of the last two years of being in a pandemic. And, you know, there's just more of a movement now to be uh, to be conscious of holistic health, not just one aspect of it, but of all the areas of it. And that requires spending in different ways or, um, you know, possibly on different things. And so I agree with you. I think there's something about our lives have changed enough that this has become slightly more important to enough people that perhaps it's a little less volatile than it has been in the past in terms of spend. I, I saw something I, I started, you know, I was just curious what other people had written on this. Um, so I was kind of Googling different articles on like how people think about fitness spend outside of our own sources, because just for curiosity's sake for this. And I found this style seat survey. It's 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 from a couple months ago. It's from April, right? So it's, it's I, I feel like the, the, we could talk more about that, but the pressure is going to change every month. But in April, they basically had people like say, okay, inflation is coming. How are you going to adjust your spending? And it was really interesting that that basically a, a vast majority of people, like 72% of people or something in this survey said that exactly what you just said, Maggie, that, that, that the gym membership falls under wellness and that's not an area they'll cut. They're willing to cut trade down to store brands for food. They're willing to cut back on beauty, which I thought was very interesting, um, especially because it's you know I assume these I assume these are style seat readers. I didn't look too too deeply into the methodology of this, but um, all the other categories they said they would cut back, but not fitness um, and wellness. But then I found another one from July from a different source, and I wasn't familiar with this source, and I didn't spend a lot of time vetting it, but. They basically said, you could see through the summer, that there is some evidence of a rotation to outdoor workouts, which um, not, over and above the seasonal. And their their hypothesis was like people that are feeling pressure are going to still get their workouts in, but in, you know, instead of a treadmill, go outside. Um, then, of course, you have the fall in some places will put pressure back on that. But, but it's interesting that we don't see that in our data. Because at some point it's, it's physics, right? It's like like you could also like you know you know to wade into the economic waters is you see those credit card uh, balances go up every month. At some point, you're going to have to make that trade off, right? On like things you could cut, and a gym membership is still not in the car or rent or food category of <laughs> on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? <laughs> Do you think like you're the, so what goes away are, are luxury goods normally, right? Or you trade down to, you know, something that may not be as superior of a product, but still fulfills the need. And so it's like, it, I think the question becomes is gym, gem or fitness regard or, and, you know, health and wellness, a luxury item. And I think that's a really pivotal question. And my guess is that if, you know, as we look over time, it's become less of a luxury item and more of a necessity item. So therefore, it 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 may not stay around in exactly the same capacity from a spend perspective, but it's still there. And the great thing about the silver lining, let's say, of COVID is that there's so many more choices about how you can work out now or how you can fulfill nutritional needs, whether it be through online fitness or, you know, um, different subscription service program, all sorts of ways to do it. So we might see people like jumping around to try different things but the idea of it going away I, I just don't see that happening in the way that it might have 
you know, I don't know what the right horizon is, but 10, 20 years ago, I think it's, it's just more of a staple than it was um, many years ago. And Chuck, I find it funny that they said that cosmetics are going down because we, we were sort of talking about this yesterday, but there's the, the lipstick effect. Um, and it's this idea that you, you still need things that make you happy. You still want to be a consumer in downtimes. And so you buy things like lipstick um, that are a little boost. They improve your, your mood. They give you that, you know, whatever the serotonin or the dopamine, whatever it is that you get when you consume things. And they also help, you know, with your outward appearance. And so things like that. And I think we were talking about it more as vices than, you know, we were talking about candy, liquor and cigarettes being uh, immune to this type of thing. Um, but I, I do, I think that there's still like, there's a, a happiness factor that might weigh into this a little bit that's even beyond the economic piece of it. And I can't quantify that, but I get the sense from the things that I've read that that exists and that, you know, sometimes fitness and nutrition can fit into that category as well. It's definitely in this last round of uh, qualitative interviews that we did with consumers. Uh, these were we were interested in this return to the gym, where does online fitness? So we're talking to people who are gym members and also use online fitness, but um, none of them were back at the gym as often as they remember being pre-pandemic. And all of them, when we asked, what do you expect in the future? What do you think you would do if we have another terrible COVID wave? And they all felt prepared. They have more options now. So they don't need to go to the gym as often. If the gym closes down, no big deal. I've set up my home space or I you know, know what apps I'll use. They're, so for consumers, they have a lot of strategies now that they know will carry them through a tough time. And so if you need to cut down in one area, you know you can book up some other area that will help you out in terms of fitness. And I suspect the same is true in nutrition. All of the strategies that got you through the pandemic uh, when you couldn't go out to eat, when you're uh, when you were cooking all the time or cooking for more family members, you can fall back on those. Uh, so it's like people feel like they have a cushion Um and again, more options, like you said, more strategies. Maybe that means that they don't feel as um, pressured, perhaps, to change their behaviors just yet. It's really the, the 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 office gym connection is always interesting to me because I, I do feel like the the, the fact that we've um, untangled a, a lot of where things happen. Um, I feel like the gym, like for me, for my, the, the gym was always tied to, to the routine of going to work, right? Like I was always a morning person, so I'd go to the gym on the way to the office, bring a change of clothes. And so when, when, the, uh, when the office isn't as strict, which is, you know, not true for everyone, but it, it's true for a large chunk of the population, then the, the gym routine goes away a little bit and there's a lot more options that come into that. Um, and I was, I was talking to the person that, that manages the, the gym I went to for many years. Um, and I, and I really never go anymore, which and there's no good reason for it. Um, I'm still a member, which is dumb, but, um, I should say, it's not dumb, but, but, it's, but I just don't like there's, and, and partly because like my schedule is so different now. It was like, it, it was so tied into like the, the question before was like, what am I going to do at the gym tomorrow morning? Right? Like I might vary it by day, but the, the place didn't change. And now it's interesting that like, I could, you know, there's so many different places now where I'm like, I could do this or I could do that. And uh, it's, it's almost like a, a, once you break that routine or that cycle, um, it, that all of the behavior down, downstream of that changes. 
um, which I think is really fascinating. I'm actually really curious, Sarah, something that we've talked about a lot and that I know that has been in reports that we've done is sort of the difference between how men and women approach a lot of these areas. And I, I, my, I hypothesize that women will probably be the first to start pulling back. I know they tend to spend less in general and then they, they tend to, to feel, I don't know if guilt is the right word, but they're less likely to prioritize their spend on these areas. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see the gap widen between men and women on a, across some of these key areas and would love your kind of um, point of view around that, that uh, area. Yes. Yeah. So women are always um, quicker to react to economic um, kind of trends. They have lower incomes on average. Uh, they are frequently have larger households. Um, so that makes sense. And they spend less across all of these categories, partly and particularly in fitness, um, partly because they feel less permission to spend. And so if you feel like your budget is getting tighter, you need to cut back. Well, then, yes, of course, you're going to cut back right there, um, especially if you feel like you have less permission to spend there anyway. And so money as a barrier is always higher for women than it is for men. But we still, again, have not seen that change a whole lot yet. Again, I was just I was just going through all these different data sets. You know, there's so much data online now that you could just find. So I have no idea if this if, this, if the quality of this data is 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 accurate or not. But they I was looking at some men women stuff, and um, one thing I found that I thought was an interesting hypothesis is that women are quicker to cut. Um, you're right; they do spend less. I, every, I agree with everything you just said. But the one the one little twist I I found that I I was thinking about was men protect more of the going out food budget mm-hmm. and women will hold on to that to the gym and the wellness spend longer and cut more in the food categories especially the out of the house food which i thought was an interesting i was thinking about this just in terms of people i know in my own life and i'm like you know what i could see that being true like it was it wasn't a great data source but um but i could see that being true i was like that's an interesting analysis is like we're mm-hmm as you start chopping budget away, what, which categories are you chopping first and where, where do you go? And I, I thought that was an interesting hypothesis that, that um, according to this data, I was looking at women will hold that, that wellness budget longer. They'll, they'll, they'll cut deeper in other categories to protect that. Even I though every, that doesn't, that doesn't disagree with everything you said earlier. It's just a, a, a slight kind of tactic change. in terms. Of yeah. Health. And we actually oh, wow. see that in um, state of our health too. So at the, beginning of the pandemic, and this has lasted, it's continued to, it's still there. Uh, Men never stopped going out to eat. And in fact, the small gap in doing that, they made up in uh, outsourcing in other ways. So they never cooked more at home, whereas women shifted almost entirely to cooking at home. So that's where that cut comes from, which is exactly what you said. They also stopped going to the gym, but that was around probably health uh, um, and safety issues. Instead, but uh, that makes sense to me because I do think that part of the reason wellness is such a trend is it, women drive that trend, and it's because wellness is a solution to healthcare problems that are difficult to address through the healthcare system for them. Um, and uh, keep, but also like keeping yourself um, 
in a like looking a certain way and feeling a certain way uh, might be. I don't want to say it's more important because we know that that's very important for men too. But um, women are socialized to do that in a different kind of way. By the way, I can throw other hypotheses out as to why women do. I, I, I'm not going to necessarily say I don't agree with what you just said, but I think that what you just said might be might be one angle on it. But I would go, I think I, my, my first instinct would be more that women are, you get in trouble for talking about men and women too. More too. capable? Is that where you're going? No, no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> I am I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, I know. It's it's that they're like a little bit more in touch with their bodies. Men, there's there's a there's a, a like a part of the way men are taught that like it's funny because this this runs actually both ways, right? You can make this argument both ways, but in some ways it'll be like, hey, you gotta be strong and all that stuff. But they also like do ignore a lot about how they their bodies feel physically. It's a part of it's. it's I, I don't know. I, you, you can make the argument whether that's societal genetic or whatever it is, but. Um, Whereas women are a little bit more in tune. I think they make the connection faster that, hey, I feel better. And I, I, you know, it's funny. It's true for everyone. If you, if you work out and you, and you, and you feel better, you're actually more productive later. Like that, that hour that you spend working out, probably you get back. But, but I think a lot of people don't make that connection naturally. I think we see in the data set would support that to some extent. I don't know like what's causation and correlation, but we, I mean, men are more likely to stick to stricter formal diet plans or um, have more routine gym, you know, they have more of a routine in how they do it, right? They find Yeah. Whereas women are more likely to, to have uh, more fluidity around it. And I mean, like, I'm not saying that one approach is better or worse, but I, I do, I definitely, we, we see that in our data sets, right? And I don't know. Um, I do think that women become more um, conscious of, of body image at a slightly earlier age. Um, and so maybe they have a, a head start on figuring out the intuitive piece of it. Um, but I, I agree with you. I do think that there is more of sort of, um, you know, it, it's obviously not true all the time, but we see that men are more likely to gravitate toward a structured approach to this and women have more fluidity in how they do it. And so that could play into this as well. Yeah. Um, this could be, this is a big rabbit hole we could, we could spend a lot of time on. But what, you, you touched on something earlier that I wanted to circle back to, which is another thing that's happening here with, with uh, and by the way, we're, we're really timely with this podcast because the inflation print this morning just came like, you know, 40 minutes ago, the Fed just talked and, and everybody's, the stock market is roiled right now because it was, it came in again higher than they expected. Um, but the other thing that's, that I thought was really interesting in some of the spending data, I was just kind of looking through, I was trying to find something really recent, which it's hard to find data for the past month, which is why state of our health is so amazing. But um, the other thing that's happening is that return to office is slowly inching up. We're past 50% now. And in, especially in bigger cities, it's, it's, it's inching up. And one of the, the, the little data nuggets I found out there was that it's caused a little bit of an apparel spend squeeze because people have not bought what you might call work clothes in two years. <laughs> and so now they're kind of having to to kind of make up a little bit for lost time and 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 spend a little bit more on wardrobe stuff, which it, you know is coming at a bad time. Um which I thought was interesting. And you can see that in some of the credit card da data that the, the apparel is going up. Um so th I thought that was an interesting one too because because there's there's so many things going on right now. This is a really crazy time, but 
the return to the office, you would think, is a tailwind for the physical gyms, obviously, right? Because you get more people back in that routine. Um, and I actually, there's part of me that really misses that routine. I miss going to the gym in the morning because it was like my whole little, you know, there was the same, you know, 25 people that were there at the same time as you every morning. You get to know them, how's work? Like, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, and uh, and it was, it, those are fun workouts. Um, but but then at the same time, it's a little bit more like I think what Sarah was talking about in the qual that there is all these other options that people have now got comfortable with because of the pandemic. And so I'm just curious, like if inflation continues, is that I, the, the, my instinct would be that's a tailwind for the Pelotons and the Apple fitnesses and YouTubes of the world. And it's probably also a tailwind for the lower end gyms, the planet fitnesses of the world, but maybe a headwind for the higher end physical gyms. But I don't know. There's there's so many things going on. It's hard. It's hard to figure out like like how you would how you would like where your where your gut lies in, in terms of what's happening in this category. I think that makes sense. But I also think people want to. If you're going back to work, you want to look good, right? And if you know if you go into your closet and you realize you haven't bought clothes in two years and that the ones that you have don't fit, um, it it like we are a we've spent a lot of times looking at ourselves on camera for the last two years. And I think going back in person, you're like, no one's seen me from the, you know, from here down, like I need to keep, I need to keep working out. So I don't know how that piece factors into it. That's the part I can't figure out is it's like, we want to continue to, we've, we've emphasized holistic health. We're going to start seeing people again. Like where does the gym piece fit into that? And I, I think, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you like, you want to get back and see people because, you know, Sarah just finished the online um, fitness ANU report. And it says that that is what men search for in, in a gym relationship. There's a social component to it. Whereas women are less likely to meet that. They're more like, I got to get this thing done. I don't really want to lift weights around other people. I like the, some of the protections of my home. And so I, I'm, I think that's one that I'm really excited to see it play out because I don't have a strong hypothesis on which way it's going to go. I think if an economist would be like, yeah, luxury goes away and the lower stuff stays. But So, so Sarah, when Maggie says that, is that your instinct? Because my instinct is absolutely the other way. Women prefer group classes. Women are way more social. And the workout is so... Although I said that, and I am a man, and we are, this is, we could get into the in between, but, but women. Yeah, there's two types of socializing going on. Women are more likely to do group classes, and that's what they miss about the gym. Yeah. Um, some of them are fine with a solo workout, but, uh, and certainly there's men that do classes as well, but women are more likely to do group fitness classes, and that's what they miss. And I have still don't think group fitness classes have come back to the level they were pre-pandemic. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot, and even before then, even before the pandemic, there's a lot of limitations, right? If you like to do bar, but they offer the bar class half an hour later than you can do, then you can't do that class. But now you can do it online. Um, so... Uh, definitely like online fitness has stolen some of those classes because it's so easy to do what you want when you want. And men are more likely to do these solo gym workouts and they like having the other men around, um, especially if they're gym buffs. So like you said, you go, you see the same people every day. It's great. So you have this social experience. 
Um, you get the workout buddy, you see their arms. Like we had one guy's like, yeah, I see this guy with bigger arms. I go and I ask him. And then he actually had to stop going to the gym because so many people were asking him for advice about how to get his arms. Um, I have that problem all the time. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Well, it is. It's funny that you, it's funny because this is this has nothing to do with inflation and fitness. But I've actually been fascinated with this for a long time. Is that I know many women who will not go to the gym alone. Right? It's everything is on a schedule for class. They will not do the thing that men will do. Whereas I have like an averse reaction to that. Like if someone tells me that the workout has to start precisely at ten, it's just my I it's my own issues. But I'm like, no. What if I want to start at nine forty five? Like I can't stand group classes for that reason that I'm on someone else's schedule. <laughs> Nothing to do with fitness. No, I know it has nothing to do with fitness, but I do think it's 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 an interesting dynamic that um, it's it's true how they socialize in different ways. But but I do think at a high level, women are much more so work workouts are much more social. I agree with that for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I also um, the other factor going on there is the how much you like somebody else telling you what to do. And women are more likely to want a directed workout. They don't want to have to think about and plan their own workout. Whereas um, men are more confident in their fitness knowledge. A lot of them say, and they're much more likely than women to say, I just prefer to plan my own workout. And well, some of, that, some of that is confidence in fitness knowledge and some of it is just less social beings, right? Like I was, I was talking to somebody about this last week because like we, we started talking about this um, this Pilates, this sounds dumb, but this Pilates studio that had, had, had got real popular real fast. Well, it's a local thing. And um, it's funny, I was, I'm debating whether I should even say this, but I, I guess I'll tell you. She is, this, this instructor is super active on TikTok and basically uh, started making fun of some of her clients and it's it's a local thing so it's pretty easy to 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 like go back and be like i know who you're talking about here so it's it's funny but that was not the point i was going to bring up right now look at both of your faces i'm like it's kind of juicy nicole might come back in for this part of the conversation she's like hold on i haven't thought of here but what i was going to tell you is we started i started talking to this to this guy and there was there was a couple other guys there and we started talking about this dynamic of like that aspect of someone who's really knowledgeable telling you what to do is, I think, is really interesting. I like it. What drives me absolutely crazy is having to make small talk with that person for an hour. And I think that's how a lot of guys are. Like, it's not necessarily an ego thing. It's more just, I now am stuck with this person and hearing about their life for an hour, which um, I think women are more, a lot of women are more um, patient with that kind of stuff. Whereas that, like, that is honestly, like, if I if we had to rank what drives me crazy in life, that is, like, up there with, like, the rental car counter person. Like, that is people that just, like, me being trapped with someone who just is going to make small talk for an hour. Yeah. But so, so I'd be curious, so, so Maggie, you answer a little bit, but Sarah, where do you see the tailwinds? Because I am dying to dive into the online fitness data, which we weren't, we're not going to do today, I know, but, but I, it'll be very curious to see, like, if... There's still like to reset, you have, you know, 10% year over year cost increases, which is hurting people's budgets. And you could see credit card numbers going up, but at the same time, wages are going up and there's, there's really not a loss of jobs. There's no evidence of loss of jobs yet. Even you hear anecdotal stories, like none of the big numbers are showing massive 
um, changes in employment rates. So it's it's hard to read. Like the the fundamental question is like if if a, if a big like gym chain or and this would apply to digital first too, like Peloton or Equinox, whoever you're talking about, can they bake in a ten percent price increase and basically keep most of their audience? Or is that is this going to start to hurt soon? Because that's the squeeze, right? Because the the, the the wages aren't going down, the cost for their, for everything they're buying is going up. Yeah, I um, as you said, I do think that we know that people did a lot of job switching, so they're making more money than they were before, and people are in better jobs than they were before. The economy is really weird right now. There's things that look really good. There's things that look really bad. Even the uh, what you were saying about having to buy clothes to go back to the office, there's also these headlines about retailers have this glut of inventory. So you, at least you get to go buy the clothes on sale, right? Um, it's funny. I uh, I think you started to see that. I, this weekend, I got an email from a retailer. I'm not going to name names, but a reseller I really like. And everything was 70% off for the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, let's load up seventy percent off. So I think I, I do wonder how we're going to see. Um, we, according to the experts, we're going to see a lot of that over the next couple months. Um, so I also in some ways, it's like good to be a consumer right now. Um, yeah, and by the way, for those of you that don't know, my last comment: we just did this this study that we do every year on online fitness, um, deep dive into spend and all that. So that that's when is that coming out? Is that like a month from now? Uh, so the report will be out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, wow. Oh, look yes. at this. I didn't even know. Wow. Okay, I'm behind on this. So that one, I'm dying to dive into that one because I'm so, I also, too, I could do a whole nother half hour right now on, I've talked to so many people about, you know, specifically Peloton a lot, but, but, but things like Peloton Tonal. And it's, it's fascinating because I, I'm always fascinated when there, there's some behaviors that change for very clear reasons, right? I used to go to the gym on the way to the office. I don't go to the office anymore. It broke the gym behavior. However, I still drive by that gym all the time and I easily could integrate it into my schedule, but it's, it's for whatever reason I'm, I'm having trouble. And you see the same thing happening with these people that that had this routine with things like Peloton and that chain has been broken now. And it's interesting to see how that settles out. And it's funny to talk to, like, you'll talk to people that are like, I love it. It's a lot like the physical gym, right? I love it. I want it to be part of my life. I am not making this space for it that I once was a year ago for reasons I can't really explain, right? You'll hear people say things like that over and over. Well, I think they're like, Sarah and I were actually talking about this. The 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 back to school timeframe this year has been more insane than usual. And I don't know if that's because we lost all of our stamina for this type of thing over the last two years, or if it's like, it's the first sort of quote unquote, normal return to school that we've had in a few years, but it has been intense. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I don't manage my time well, but it's been really hard to fit in workouts. I mean, I got on my Peloton this morning for the first time in probably a month. And I was like, oh, I remember why I love this, but like, it's dusty, you know, <laughs> like it was, it's sad. And, but I, I think too, like, this is normally a time when we would see people fall off perhaps a little bit because of all of this craziness. We're going into the holiday season. So it, it, it's a weird time to judge how inflation is impacting it because normally we would start, you know, there is a seasonal pullback to some extent. And like the, you know, the better time to look at it would be in April when people are, are gearing up to, you know, to get back in shape for the summer or, you know, whatever we're going to call that now. Um, because I, I, I would, time. I would actually argue the opposite. <laughs> it's oh. like, 
in the fall, we frequently see a pickup in health engagement. Um, and that was really, it was very pronounced though during the pandemic and has been much like the opposite has happened this fall. And I do think that it's because uh, things have been much busier. So my little anecdote is my kids went back to school last year, but it was masks. We couldn't go in the school. There were no extracurriculars. Whereas now uh, there's a lot more activity around the school. Um, there's things happening before and after school. Uh, so it's been, it's much busier, even though kind of on the surface, the same things happened. Um, so if you combine that with maybe going back to the office more often, you know, maybe now you're supposed to, so for instance, my husband, they said, we, last spring, they said, you have to come back 50% of the time and nobody did. And so in the fall, now they're saying, now we really are going to come back at 50% of the time. And so people are really having to go back in a way that they were before. So I do think that um, things have gotten a lot busier. And so unlike previous years, where in August and September, we see a little bump as, as people go back to school, as people get back into regular kind of real life routines back from the summer, that hasn't happened. And instead, fitness in particular has fallen off um, significantly since the summertime, since Q2. Nutrition has not. Well, and it's crazy. It's like anything else, right? You stop doing it and you, you lose the muscles. And I, I've talked to so many people, I'm specifically talking about parents with kids, but I've talked to so many parents with kids who are just overwhelmed with this year's back to school. And I think it's exactly what you said, sir. It's all the activities. Like we, we really didn't fully go back. Um, and it's crazy from all indications, it looks like we're, you know, two, three, four weeks away from another massive COVID spike. So then it's going to, we're going to go back. So it's like, it's really, it's, there's just so much choppiness and, and so much. And I think that kind of stresses people out and, and it breaks all their routines again. And it's like, Oh, now we're going to go back. Are we, you know, I had to go to the, you know, the thing last night at the school where all the parents huddled together and talked through all the scenarios and issues for the year. And it's like, we didn't have to do that for the last two or three years. And it's like, now we have to do it for like every class. And it's then you add sports and meetings oh. and it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Of and then the like, return of just regular before. things. Um, you know, you haven't seen a concert for two years. You want to see all the concerts now. You want to go to the sporting events. Uh, so that exactly. So that adds up and all of a sudden, yeah, you wonder like, why? Why did I have all this time to exercise every day last winter? And that's why it's because you didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> yeah, and then you get it, you get into the habit, you get into the routine, and 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 it's funny, like a hybrid. You know, the I don't know exactly what your husband's schedule is, but the hybrid schedule in some ways makes it even harder for the routine, right? If you're fully remote, then you get into the kind mm -hmm. of you know uh, at home routine, or and if you're you know fully in the office, you get into the gym routine. But now it's like I'm going in this day and not this. It's there's a lot to figure out that I don't think people have their their rhythm or their cadence figured out yet. Where where it's just routine. I think from a financial perspective, and Sarah would know this much better than I would, but the 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 idea or what I seem to keep seeing is that there's this there's a committed group of consumers who are over indexing on spend and engagement with fitness nutrition mindfulness all of these things and they will be somewhat undeterred by financial stresses in their life they will prioritize this over other things and will make whatever trade-offs they need to make and i mean my guess would be that's like a third of the people we talk to at any given time who are somewhat engaged in fitness and nutrition there's this group of a third that are like i'm in this no matter what this is part of my life it is a necessity it's a staple it's the other two thirds that i think would be will be interesting to watch in that 
you know, do they, do they continue to be engaged in the category, but to a lesser extent, um, do people fall out of the category, which it looks like we're already seeing that from a fitness perspective. Um, and by category, I mean, just sort of engagement with these areas, regardless of what the, what the actual behavior or spend is. Um, and, and does that get exacerbated among certain subgroups more so than others? Like there are, um, you know, it, it would stand to reason that people with lower incomes might be more um, affected by this than those with higher incomes or, you know, are, are men and women going to behave differently in these set of scenarios? And so I think that third remains like a very safe, like, yes, I'm going to keep the Peloton. I will, I will weather that 10, and I'm saying I as those third, I will weather that 10% increase because it's important to me. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, the extra $4 per month is worth my spend. Um, but I think it's the other two thirds that are, are particularly, or potentially vulnerable once the time stops being a barrier, will will finances become a barrier? And I think that's the interesting mm-hmm. thing to watch. And I mean, I think it's I'm really uncertain right now whether what's going to happen next. I mean, like y'all said, there's so many conflicting indicators right now. And it's kind of like, well, what do we do with this? Um, I listened to this podcast yesterday. And it was going through like, you know, both stocks and bonds are down. That's weird. And at the end of the podcast, the best correlation they found was the whatever uh, music is at the top, like is like the chart topper is the best indicator of what's going on with the economy. So if it's a happy song, then we're in a recession. And if it sets a sad song, we're not in a recession. But the la- the one that was at the top when they did, you know, when they produced this was like, they couldn't tell if it was happy or song- sad because it had elements of both. And so what are we in? And it's like, that sums it up for me, you know? That sounds like the way I bet on horse races. Do I like this name? No. Yeah, I was going to say, that may not be the best way to... to, to- Wait. Let me so guess. I, I wrote down the songs for the last couple of recessions because I thought it was really funny. So I'm gonna say, do you remember what was the chart topper in 2007? Yes. So 2008. Okay. It was Beyonce, all the single ladies. <laughs> all the single. That's not. That's a happy song, right? Yes, we were in a recession. Happy song. Um, 1982. Oh, other way, you're saying if we're in a recession, they from, yeah, it's a, a happy yeah. music. We want something happy to look forward to. So it's so happy songs. We look at the 90s and the Smiths and the Cure. We're saying that was clearly a good economy when the, when the music yes. is, is okay. Yes. Okay, so 1982, when there were the last like major, the, there were like two recessions in the 80s. So this I think is the second Call one. Me by Blondie. Blue Jean by David Bowie. Olivia <laughs> Newton-John, let's get physical. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, that's that should be our theme song for this podcast, by the way. <laughs> but it's kind of funny i'm like and so the one right now and i like this is going to show my age because i don't know it's so the the one that was the chart topper was a harry styles song and i um am totally blanking on the name of it but it it has like the lyrics are sad but there's like a poppy beat to it i don't think there's a sad harry styles song right i mean harry styles according to these economists it's sad and happy <laughs> economists as arbiters of pop music. I, I think when you see like government stepping into bailout pension funds, you should just assume that something bad's about to happen, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I think the easy move mark here is like this can't be good. I, I know, I know a lot of smart people. They're like, no, no, this this is a slow moving trade, but it's crashing. Like, I'm like okay. Yeah. No. Well, Don't and there know. might be a train strike to add on to that. So then yeah. that'll make things even worse. <laughs> I know. I also wonder if um, so 
as a millennial, there have been a lot of once in a lifetime terrible economic things that have happened all in my adult lifetime. And they have not, I like, I don't feel like they have ever affected my spending very much um, because that's just the nature, been the nature of the economy for me. And I wonder if there's some generational things. I will say, okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and it has nothing to do with inflation or fitness, really. But in terms of millennials, this is a generational buying opportunity, right? You have, this is, this is what Warren Buffett looks for is like, oh my God, stocks are cheap. Everybody's panicking. And that, you know, it, it, in 2008 or whatever, it was it was buying Apple and Netflix and super cheap. And now it's now there's going to be a lot of good deals in five years from now. You're going to be like, that was my opportunity. I have to tell you, it's raining in D.C. I walked my dog this morning. I grabbed a raincoat. Haven't worn one in a while. I put it on and it had it was a it was a giveaway from Lehman Brothers, which I thought was hilarious, given that we were talking about inflation <laughs> and all of these things. I was like, how funny is that? And then I was like, oh, 2008 was rough. Um, <laughs> That's how old we are, right? That you have swag from the last crisis. That I still wear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great raincoat. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they not so great at bonds, great at raincoats. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, this was super fun, you know. And I'm excited that all my fitness report is coming out tomorrow, which means we could dive. That's my that's one of my favorite. I think that might be my favorite report day of the year. No offense to any of our wonderful clients, but mm-hmm. it's a good one. It's a really good. Oh, one. It's wow. Yeah, day. I hope that I live up to your expectations. You did. I already, I took a sneak peek. It's a good one. Okay. Oh, you already saw it. Oh, why wow, you're ahead of me? Of course I did. Come on, I have I have an inside source. It went down a little bit last year, but then went up again this year. Um, and I really think that it's people are just. Their lives are so different and they're having trouble, not having trouble, but there's a lot of experimentation going on. Um, yeah, it hasn't found, you always want to be part of a habit or a routine, right? Think about smartphones, right? We spent four years trying to figure out what these things were going to do in our lives. And then the last 10 years, they basically done the same thing slightly incrementally better every year. Like, they, you know what I mean? And we, you figured out what they do, what they don't do. And I think, I think that's how it's going to be for a lot of this stuff is like, what, what, what's the habit that this will hold on to for long term? Yeah. And it's also, I mean, we've, this has been obvious now uh, from these um, state of our health reports for a long time, people's lives change dramatically over the last two years. We think of it as this big pause, but if you interview anybody, they will tell you how dramatically their life changed. So there's nothing that is the same uh, kind of on a individual personal level for most people as they, they're just totally different than they were in 2019. And so they're still trying to figure out what that means as everything else comes back online and returns to whatever normal means now. If only there was a data source that you could follow all these changes. <laughs> you could see how it works out from year to year and month to month. Oh my goodness. Do you know something Folks, like that? there is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a gold mine in my own computer. <laughs> it's amazing. With tens of thousands of completes at your fingertips. It could be yours. It's a great value. It is a great value. <laughs> it's called it's State of Our name. Health. Let's put the name in. Yes, and it, it, it's you know you can um, it'll help you get through these inflationary times. Really good spend. Good value. Good value. Good value. Thank you. Hundred percent. Thank you guys. I know I was supposed to moderate and I let us get off the rails, um, but I think this was really fun and I love talking to y'all. And hopefully we can come back maybe in uh, early Q1 and see if any of these major indicators have moved uh, around and you know kind of what's what's at play still. 
So thanks. Yeah. All right. Have Thank a good day. You. Guys.